So Pat Moran from Healthier Money, thanks for listening in. Today I was really excited to spend time with uh, James Harris, who's got a popular radio show called The Conservative Circus. Uh, James is very, very popular. He's been you know, in the Washington Post USA Today. He's done numerous town halls, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. He's got a lot of exposure, and he's been in radio for about the last 20 years. We had a really candid conversation about uh, investing and, and some of the misconceptions about investing. So I really hope that you uh, enjoy this podcast, and there's uh, some valuable lessons in here, and, and that is maybe some of the accepted norms and things that we think are the way to be doing uh, after we've after you listen to this talk that I had with James maybe it'll shed light to you that there are different ways to invest and different ways to think about investing so without further ado my conversation with James Harris yep hi Pat Moran from healthier money again another episode of six sick money I'm really happy to be with uh uh, James Harris, who has a very successful radio show here in the in the Phoenix area, we were talking about the fact that uh, now he's blasting it out in the morning, six to ten, where he was going four to seven. But uh, like his ideas, like where he's coming from, and uh, we were just talking about four hundred one ks, and I had asked the question of why is it that the only thing you know how to invest in is your four hundred one k. And you gave me a great answer because that's all I've been told. That's all I've ever been told, uh, Pat. You know, you 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 can invest in the stock market. I remember when uh, when I was a, a college student, uh, one of the things that sticks in my memory is I was busting tables, and there's a kid that I used to see in college all the time, but I didn't see him for a while. And I said, hey, where where you been, man? He was sitting down smoking French cigarettes, you know, sipping on some very, very strong coffee. He said he just got back from Europe. I'm like, oh, well, I thought you were in school. He goes, yeah, but you know what? Some of my stocks came in, so I took a sabbatical, and I just went <laughs> to Europe. I'm like, dude, what do you mean your stocks came in? What are you talking about? Well, his father taught him how to invest in the stock market, and he was obviously pretty good at it to the point where he was able to score this, and he went away for a couple of months, and he's going to get back in school and finish his degree. Right. That was my first introduction into, like, investing in the stock market and then you know i asked him questions he told me the best that he could but i, I nothing where i could really go off right. of and then i remember my parents talking about maybe losing money in the stock market in the early 80s but other than that the safe way to go is to invest in a 401k and right. you put part of your fund your 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 salary into that every month and it's supposed to grow and then eventually you're supposed to be retired and be a millionaire pat but i don't know if that's necessarily true right. <laughs> the problem with the 401k James is, as you know, you, you've got a partner in that deal and it's got three letters. And, and my dad said that there's only two things you fear in life with three letters. That's God and the IRS. And so subsequently when you, you know, I've had people all the time tell me I've got half a million dollars in my 401k or 300,000 in my 401k. And I said, no, you don't because you have the IRS involved and, and that's going to be a major drawdown as you go to use this money later on in life. And the 401k and the concept of it maybe was different when tax rates were much higher. We've enjoyed under the Trump administration, some of the lowest, if not the lowest tax rates we've been in in history. So if I asked you know, 100 people in a room, where do you think taxes are gonna go next? Most of them are gonna say they're gonna go up. 
This is, this is my favorite misconception when it comes to the 401k is because if you look back when the inception or when this 401k was even created, it was created back in 78, but in the way in it's, it's closest to its traditional form was 82 to 84 is how that's when it really got instated. And back then the average tax bracket was well over 30%. So over 30%. Now, if you think about that, it makes total sense. If you were deferring on your taxes back when the taxes were super high, and you were young in the workforce in the in the early 80s, and now almost 40 years later, you're getting ready to pull that money out in your retirement, and taxes are lower than when you put it in, you won. That was the design of the 401k. And your, your financial planner, your goals, actually materialized. However, if in today, we're in the lowest tax environment we've seen in over 75 years, and you're deferring your taxes to a later date, now, the IRS just wrote a check, or not the IRS, the government just wrote a check for $3 trillion during this whole COVID response. Who's going to pay for that? Mm-hmm. Do you think the government's really good at minimizing expenses? There's only two ways they can create revenue, minimizing expenses or and raising taxes. And raising taxes. They may not raise taxes, James. Uh, as you know, maybe they don't raise the tax brackets, but then they broaden the things that they tax. And so the biggest thing that I have issue with is now you're deferring money into some potential unknown of this future tax rate that could be considerably higher. You know, and you're a young guy. And so when, when you're thinking about the 401k and that tax deferral, if, you know, if we did a simple exercise with you and, and that was, you know, showing you deferred versus non-deferred and, and something like this, you're going to find that really the deferred versus non-deferred doesn't make a lot of sense as much sense as people think it does, but they've never gone through that exercise. And the sad thing is, is I only have to be right on my side of the ledger with taxes going up one, two or 3%. And I already win because you're deferring potentially into a much higher tax bracket. So, you know, now learning about things like Roth, or learning about tax-free alternatives like um, non-correlated assets, or even the power of of life insurance, or uh, some of these alternative um, uh, UITs, which are unit investment trusts, or some of the different things that you can do with capital gains, or the way that you could play dividends over this whole tax deferral thing. There are so many other options out there, but like you said, we're taught defer in the 401k and go. So I am going to applaud you. I'm going to tell you the free money part of it. When you have a match, fine. The problem is, is that and when the you- the fact that he is actually contributing and saving, because well, a lot of people- The other thing I was going to say is the fact that you've even put a dime in there and paying <laughs> yeah. yourself first is really where this whole thing needs to start. But um, that free money is powerful. Above and beyond that, though, James, I, I, I think it's a, it's a big mistake. So if you were investing in a 401k, you've been doing it for years, um, and you're saying that it's a big mistake, then are there vehicles that you can get out, you get out of the 401k and get into vehicles that are going to uh, make you money? Sure. You can right now with the stock market having backed off. And, and I realize it looks like the market's kind of corrected itself and going back the right way. Well, that's only in a few sectors. And those few sectors are kind of creating a, uh, a really a false 
sense of security because when you really look at there's 11 sectors in the S&P and when you look at S&P and those 11 sectors seven of them are down record amounts I mean you've got energy off banking's off 34% I could go on and on but with this pullback now you can be looking at things like a potential Roth IRA conversion where we can take advantage of some of these low tax brackets that we have be able under the CARE Act to even do some things with some additional tax planning. Like, for instance, you could pull $100,000 right now out of your 401k or IRA if you've been affected by COVID in any way. And, you know, <laughs> I think everybody's been affected in COVID some way or form. I mean, the rules are a little bit gray, but you now can pull that money out without a 10% penalty and you have the ability to amortize that tax over three years. But now by making that simple move, James, we take an asset that was growing tax deferred and we can now create an asset that's growing for you tax free for the rest of your life. And when you go to retire, every dime that you pull out of it is tax free. Now, why is it that um, when I go to other uh, folks who are giving us financial advice, mm -hmm. uh, they end up putting us in these uh, 401ks? that you're now telling me outside of the free money is a pretty wretched deal. How can we have so many financial planners that sell that stuff? Yeah. And you know, the, uh, the word wretched's a little, not that you know, not that I, I'm, I, saying, I, I know, I'm just, I, you know, I know, <laughs> I, 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 I know. You're, you're real. And I love the way you just call a spade a spade. So the reality is this, um, there is a lot to be said that there is a model that's perpetuated on Wall Street that is this thing called AUM, Assets Under Management. And they win by getting as much assets as they can of your money in this tax-deferred situation because now look at it. Essentially, you're not going to pull the money out to your 59 and a half because what have you been told? James, if you pull that money out before then, you're going to pay penalties and taxes, right? So you're in there. You don't know anything better. So now they get to charge you a fee, and this fee reoccurs whether you make money or not. And, you know, they've got you by, you know, the so-and-so until you're 59 and a half, and so why would they go through and spend time talking to you about a different model when there's potentially no fee revenue in that model for them? Because there's other things that you can do now with the Roth too. Did you know when you did the conversion and let's say you pulled $100,000 out and it's in the Roth, you would now have ability to pull that $100,000 out anytime that you need it if you needed an emergency or something happened and just leave the earnings on that money in there to continue to grow and it still counts as a Roth, who wouldn't like to know the power of having extra liquidity if God forbid something happens and stuff happens. We know it. So again, I think that some of the things that are set up uh, are, are set up against you. One of the things that I think I uh, find frustrating and I imagine folks find frustrating because we're ignorant about how all of this works. So we'll trust some individuals. We'll take our money. We'll go ahead and we'll invest. And I'll just stick with the 401k okay. idea. That's fair. Um, and then we start talking to people like you who can explain things and gives us different options. Now all of a sudden we feel like boo boo the fool. 
because we've been we've been you know doing this for so long, probably saving money, uh, putting ourselves in uh, uh, at a disadvantage for some tax situations. And believe me, I'm talking to you from my experience. Right. I'm the person who has had fights with the IRS and lost because right. you never win. Uh, I've had uh, investing situations that that go south, and even in my latest before I met you. Uh, investing, my wife and I are investing in something. I'm, I'm just like, you know, okay, I'm doing this because this is what we're told right. we have to do. Although, I, because of, of the business I'm in, I have talked to many people who don't have any faith in the 401k and other type of investments, right. but we just don't know any other avenue. And then if you get somebody who is risk adverse, I mean, I'm risky. Let it roll, baby. Let's go. <laughs> my wife's not like that. <laughs> Most wives aren't. She's yeah, not like that. You know, I mean, probably nice because, <laughs> because of where I was, we probably lost some money since the stock market downturn during the whole COVID thing because I was being very aggressive. Uh, but the ideal is, uh, I imagine if I'm working with someone like you, you could take that aggression yeah, and it could be manifested in a vehicle that is not as, uh, I don't want to say the word dangerous, but not as advantageous for the government. <laughs> well, I, I think to your point, it, if it can be manifested itself in a proper plan, that's what I would say. So if we think of investing as a pyramid, that top of the pyramid is smaller because as we move up the pyramid, we take more risk. And because we're taking more risk, we're hopefully going to be compensated in the way of returns for taking that risk. If you have a properly designed plan, you can take some of that aggressive bet, okay? But you have other parts of the plan and other layers to it that don't allow that risky element to you know, move the needle one way or the other to where it dramatically affects your finances or it upsets your wife, or we, we call it a balance, the right balance. And I think you brought up a great point. When you look at the 401k, James, that's just one piece to what should be an overall plan. And when the plan's done correctly, then the pieces fit together nicely. And I run into all the time, and, and I know this is going to be you. I run into all the time for people that are saving, 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 and then they come to this point, well, now I'm getting ready to retire. What the hell do I do? What does all of this mean? And there's no plan. There's no way that, you know, their assets have come together to provide the income. There's no buckets to, to know where the assets even fit. There's just all this stuff, and normally I'll find all this stuff all over the place. Um, you know, it's like 10 CDs because they get a free toaster at every bank. Um, but it starts with a plan, and it really needs to start with having a very candid conversation with you and the missus and saying, what is it that you want to do? And then the pieces can come together. And in that process comes a sense of education to truly lay things out for you so that you can understand them or you can say, yeah, I like that. I don't like that. At least you're given options. And I'm curious, you mentioned something earlier in this conversation when your parents had talked about in the 80s losing money. What was the overall mindset 
in your household when it came to money? We were driving down to Mississippi. Okay. A little family trip a year, right? And I'm in the back seat. I hear mom and dad whispering. I hear something like about lost $60,000 in the market downturn. Some more whisper and whisper, whisper. I got closer. They talking about more money that was lost. And then I said, in my childish way, we lost $60,000. And my dad looked back at me and said, we? We? You and the mouse in your pocket. Right. But what what would have been nice if my father would have explained all of that to me, if he would explain what they invested in, how they invested, the money that was lost, and that kind of stuff. But... You know, my dad didn't do that. I didn't learn finances from my father. We heard about the whole save and that kind of thing. Right. That meant nothing to me. Um, right. Now, I will tell you this. Okay. My parents did it right. Uh, my father, uh, did, they probably did it too well. My father, God bless him, he su- suffered from Alzheimer's. Uh, we took care of him as long as we could, but then we had to put him someplace because it came kind of dangerous. Uh, it turns out that place was dangerous in and of itself, though. They ended up <laughs> dropping him and all this kind of oh, stuff, so he had to go to the hospital. I've this is when movie, I found out what's going friend. on. Yeah. He's in the hospital, so then the government takes over the payments, right? Because we were paying out of pocket. Right. $7,000 a month. But when the government took over, it was 3300 So I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Isn't that How come you're paying 3300 but we got to pay seven? Well, see, this is all the government will pay for, but you're paying for... Not just the thirty three hundred that the it costs. People. You're paying for the other people yep. couldn't afford it. Yep. Well, yep. what yep. the? F- <laughs> oh, I had a fit. Yeah. Oh, I had a meltdown right, right. then and there right. because I'm like, this is not. They did it right. They saved their money. Now here they Only are in a situation where, and now we're paying for everybody else. Why would we even bother doing that? Right. Why didn't you just spend it? You know, have a great time. We could be taking trips and then you know be poor like everybody else and have them pay for it. Now that is that's a harsh reality sure. to me. And so my parents, who saved a lot of money, my mom's in her 90s. She's still doing, God I mean, doing well. She, they got money stacked up, you know. Right. But we weren't taught that. They, and I wish they would have shared that information with me. But now knowing right. that how, even if you do, <laughs> right, you, you can get punked, <laughs> right, because Ex- of the way our system is set point. up is but really. Th- that's part of that planning process that I've talked to you about. And the thing is, is that you and Kyle and myself, we carry a big responsibility right now because not only do I feel we owe it to ourselves to financially plan for ourselves and stuff, we have kids. And those kids are our responsibility to treat them good financial habits and to help them saving. My son came to me the other day. He's uh, 16 years old. He said, Dad, how can I become a millionaire by the time I'm 50? Okay, That's out interesting. Of, out of the blue. Okay, My son, who's turned 21, he's supposed to be well on his way, but everybody got right. hit by the COVID. He had to come back home. They're all, I'm, tried to, I'm almost an empty nester. I was enjoying walking down Scottsdale with my wife. She was smoking hot wife. And all of a sudden we love and the next thing you know, bam, the kids are back. What are you doing back kids on are back. my They're couch? back in the house. Boom, boom, boom. So, but he came to me, this is funny, Pat. He came to me last week and said, dad, what can you teach me about investing? I want to learn how to invest. I want to learn about the stock market. Right. I'm like, son, I can't teach you jack. <laughs> I don't. Right. I, I got a couple of books I can have you read, yeah. but that's not my expertise. And even right. in that conversation, I felt like I was a f- it was a fail. Okay. Because at this stage of the game, I'm not too far away from officially retiring, although right. I'll never retire if I can help it. Right. 
But still, I should have been able to pass on that type of information, that type of knowledge, because he's in a situation right. to really take advantage of it. Because if he does things right, especially uh, younger, yeah. I mean, by the time he is 50, 55, he can maybe Absolutely. even sooner than that. Absolutely. It's, uh, you know, I told my son at 16, I said, the irony is you could start right now as little as $25 a month and earn 7% and carry that to your age 50. And you literally could be a millionaire because you're starting at 16. Your son at 21, you know, he's got to put a little bit more in the, you know, uh, a couple hundred bucks, but you know, one of the things I did with my son is I talked to him and I gave him a book. It's called Turning a Hundred into a Million. And frankly, it was pictures. It's a pretty good book. Very simple reading. It was, you know, these kids, if they see anything over a hundred pages, they freak out. It was um big writing, picture book, uh seventy pages. And I said, you know, Charlie, this is going to help reinforce what we talked about. And to Charlie's credit, he said, Dad, I got to finish this 1984 book that the teacher assigned me uh, on the whole new That's world, timely. on the whole new world order. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, and he said, Then I'm going to read that. And turning a hundred into a million. Yeah, it's called Turning a Hundred Dollars into a Million. Very simple book, and um, uh, again, pictures and and it talks about the fact that with your son. There's two things that have to change immediately is he has to treat himself as the most important bill, which means he's got to pay himself first because one of those other things that we've been taught, James, as you know, it is pay all your bills. And then with what's left over, we save. Well, isn't it amazing that there's nothing ever left over? So we need to change that. You're your most important bill first. Put something away, then go through this. The second thing is, is understand the importance of budgeting. If you don't know where your money's going, how in the heck do you expect to save? And how in the expect, you know, do, do you want to arrive? It's the same way with your 401k. It's great that you and the missus are putting it away, but for what? Where are you expecting to arrive? And, um, you know, like working the numbers backwards, like Brock and I just talked about this today, actually. And he started, uh, one of our like savings plans, but he's putting in 300 a month and just the conservative estimate of what his 300 a month will do for him when he is able to retire is something in the North of $80,000 of tax-free income a year at age 65. See, I could do that. Like could, and you, you show it's like, it's not 300 bucks a month, you know, $3,600 a year. Like how, how can I force that? But one of the unique things that Brock does is really amazing is I don't know where he learned this. He said he was in college and he just, he wanted to find out where his money was going, but he, he physically in like when he was in college and still to this day, every month he sits down for about 30 minutes to an hour, pulls up all his bank accounts and he, now he has an Excel spreadsheet, but he used to physically write down. He'd be like, I got a paycheck on the first. Um, I paid rent and I bought this, thing and this widget or whatever. And he goes through and makes himself look at all his expenses. And there's no better way to take ownership. Like I used to train, like teach people physical fitness and stuff. Like you want to know why you're not at your physical fitness goals, write down everything you eat or write down everything you spend. And you'll know why you're not at your finance goals. It's really that straightforward. And I think over the years, it's, it's one of those concepts, simple, not easy. I, 
I about to say you start doing that, but like he's been doing that over the year. It becomes part of who he is. It's right. part of a build that muscle. It's like a habit. It's a way of life. You, sure. You're checking it's on this, yeah. and uh, it's I, the I think, same thing you're doing with your show. You tell me you're getting up at two o'clock in the morning to plan your show. Yeah. You're doing exactly the same habit with your show. And look at the success that you've had. Are you going to have that success by winging it? Uh, no. <laughs> That's one of my, my balls sees to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's got to be planned out. It's got to be, you know, you got to, it's forethought. It, you're, you, of course, are making an excellent point. It's just the discipline of doing that. It is a discipline with your with your finances. It's yeah. not. It's not. You know, more people will plan a vacation than they do their finances. Yeah, they'll spend more time planning a vacation than they will their retirement. And it's not that if you have a plan, and you know how the pieces fit together, then it makes it a lot easier. Are you going to invest some time in getting there? Yeah. Are you going to invest some time in getting your will or your trust or whatever in order? Yeah. But once it's done, James, then it just becomes a matter of fine tuning. And that little investment that you're going to make up front is an investment that's going to be with you for the rest of your life. Is investing in like a, the, the traditional way people will set up their 401ks on that kind of stuff and then they really don't look at it anymore. They just, they Re just set it, forget it. Yep. Really good point. I just ran into a situation where somebody had done that. And the 401k uh, had its match in the company stock only. They had other investment choices, but if you wanted the free money, it was in the match in the company stock. And the person had told me that they never paid attention because it was in the company stock and they thought the stock had done well. And then this whole thing rolled around in March. And they uh, decided that at that point they were going to quit their job. And they quit their job under the auspices that there was a boatload of money in the 401k because the stock had been running up. And when they finally paid attention to the stock, they realized that there was about a million and a half dollars less than what they thought they had because the stock had dropped, you know, precipitously. And so um, to your point, I think you can set uh guidelines, parameters, whether that's yourself or working with somebody as to, you know, how much you're going to have in different sectors. And then once you get there, the need to diversify from there. But the set it and forget it mantra, we call it the buy and pray mantra. Most people call it the buy and hold um, is riddled with lots of problems. And so I think in the 401k, you make an excellent point. Most people just set it and forget it. And the funny thing is, is that most people, when they go to invest in their 401k, have some person that spends five minutes with them and says, James, tell me about yourself. Da, da, da. Okay, you need to go on the target date fund by Vanguard that matures in 2055. They don't know a rat's proverbial about you at all and what you're doing. They just make a blanket thing and say, that's where you need to be. Okay, and, and that may be the furthest thing from where you need to be based on your risk tolerance, based on what you're trying to accomplish when you're going to retire, blah, 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 blah. And so, over time, your goals and desires change. Yeah, you need right? to revisit. Those, get, those don't get adjusted. 
what I hear you saying, I think, is that um, it, you need to be involved with your investments. You need to understand what the vehicles are, and you need to be on top of it. Even if it's set, you need to be visiting it. You need to... Would you, feel, be, would you feel more comfortable? I think I would. If I See, right now, the frustration is, I don't understand this mess. I see how this is set up, but look, seriously. Whoa, that's whoa, fair. Whoa, seriously. And then people start talking to my eyes glaze over because that's not my groove, baby. Right. But that's not that's an excuse because at the end of the day, we're talking about investing money in something that you really don't understand. Sure. And that's the problem. And I think when we're talking about healthier money, uh, to go back to your example, uh, Kyle, you're training people and they still fat. They've been doing all of the, the exercises <laughs> and stuff like that, but they still take up a scale and they fat. And you're like, well, why you want? <laughs> it's what you eat. Right. What do you right. watch? Uh, what right. are you eating? Right. Well, it's the same thing. I think the analogy crosses it's a over. Right. With, uh, with, with, with the money, if I don't understand it and I'm doing mistakes or I'm not even investing as much as I can because of what I, mm -hmm. stuff that, that's, that's not. Good and the hard part is people really have to take the time to understand what they're investing in, and that's where I think people back away. Right, they glaze well, over. That's the conundrum for anything, really, because you you do you have your day job, you have your life, you have to, you wake up at two a.m. You plan, you have to plan out your show. You have, then you have your wife and your kids now, all this stuff, and it's just adding another thing to it. Well, see, Kyle, here's where you're wrong. Cause they're in Tucson. I put them out. <laughs> well, I'm just but saying in general, hit, right? I got to keep it simple. Yeah. I can't have any distractions. I can't have the dog work. barking. The kid get up off the car. <laughs> he, you know, his assets is in the air. It's two in the afternoon. <laughs> what are you doing, son? I, I get put a this job. But to your point, I understand what you're right. saying. Right. And, but and, you also don't have to be a rocket scientist either. You know, it, it's uh, you said a, a couple of things I thought were interesting. Um, you said something about talking to people and trust, okay? I think trust is a big thing. Matter of fact, when we're doing appointments with people, when they tell me they have somebody that they trust explicitly, I back off and I say, frankly, that's 99% of what this business is, trusting somebody. I said, the fact that you're at my seminar or you're asking me these questions means that, you know, there must be something wrong with that relationship for you to be sitting here. So uh, I'll indulge to the extent that either you've identified that some of that trust has fallen off or things have changed. But truly, if you're going to take this to just go back and get better with the person you're working with, that's okay. Okay. The trust is, is important. The second thing that you said was, is, is that in your radio show, you said, for the first, you know, you were getting tired of it. All you were doing was focusing on the stock market, this stock market, that. It's empowering to you in your job to be able to know, have some better understanding, I would think, to be able to, you know, get a little bit more in tune and be able to talk a little bit more with your audience. Oh, absolutely. And in, in the meantime, what you do is you defer, uh, I brought in the uh, economist Stephen right, Moore right. Uh, to help us understand what's going on. Sure, but then after a while, I started throwing my ideas out to Stephen Moore, and, and then he certified that I'm a genius when it comes <laughs> to some of these things, <laughs> even though I don't know the inner workings. You know, right? But to your to your point, right? Um, I because of what 
the how the world had changed and because of the way my show focused i had to come up to speed on a lot of different things that i sure. usually just wouldn't i wouldn't be bothered with and the economy and some of the mistakes i think our government is making right. as far as the bailing out and things that they Good could points. be doing uh, they could have done first is what because you start to learn that then you're like well wait a minute what about a tax holiday how come right. we didn't do that how come we didn't start with a payroll tax before we started like writing checks? Right. Why didn't we let people keep more of their own? First of all, why did you shut it down in the first place? But that's not for your right. podcast. The uh- <laughs> and what and why did you define the rules of the PPP? Because most businesses only had this much that they needed to commit to employees. They got to worry about their rent and inventory, and you know, I, I, don't get me started yeah. because I'm sure you would blow me away with. It's. I'm sure we'd probably be able to blow each other away with right. how un, how this was completely not thought out, how this was reactionary, how this was emotional, how this was fear-driven. It still blows my mind that over the last few weeks, we watched government shut down a $22 trillion industry that for the first time, economy, that was humming. Yep. It was humming, and now it's shut down and it's collapsing, and it, it, it's it's almost unfathomable that we watched this I happen. I kind of wonder why. Do you wonder why Trump let it happen in some respects, or did he just give in to the majority? What what played out there? I'm interested in your comments. I think that what we viewed here was a moment where uh, President Trump believed these so-called experts. I believe that part of the reason why he had to make the decision is because he got boxed, he got cornered in. You had, uh, for three and a half years, you had the media, you had the Democrat Party, you had what I like to call the deep state on my show, hammering away at this. The information that we we're finding out even in the last couple of days of how involved former President Barack Obama was in trying to, we're talking about a coup d'etat. We're talking about trying to overthrow a duly elected government. They were trying to do that. It does not surprise me that in that type of atmosphere, when you get the media hyping this thing up and then you throw in social media, we're all seeing what's happening in China. We're seeing what's happening over in Italy. Uh, we're, we're, we we got the models. We have the media yelling, trust the experts, trust <laughs> the science. Well, he did. And I don't think that President Trump is a, a stupid man. I think uh, that a couple of weeks ago, he started to kind of see what's going on here. I think when he said, I am in control, I will open government, and everybody, all of a sudden, for the first time, what, since the Civil War, you got the Democrats out there saying, states' rights, right. <laughs> federalism, <laughs> you don't make that call, we do. And Trump was like, oh, okay, you make the call. Like, that was a brilliant move. Why? Because the states and the governors do make the call. Right. And so now that we see that they're reluctant to make the calls, we can be able to pull back and say, you know what? This guy, uh, I, he saw it coming. He's trying to maneuver it in a way where it's not going to fall back on him, and I don't think it will. It is falling back on blue state governors uh, who are the ones who are more reluctant in opening it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have red state governors who are being uh, opening up faster, except for the governor of the great state of Arizona, which is a story for a different day. But it's it's the slow crawl. It's all part of what we've been watching for the last couple of years. No rhyme, no reason, but right. a power grab and a scary power grab because we've learned through the COVID that, you know what, our rights are not secure. 
um, what we believed, uh, uh, the right to freely worship, the right to uh, free speech, right. the right to exchange of ideas. It's not really True. here. We've True. seen them crushed. They're gone. Now the job is how to get it back. I think that the president saw this coming maybe a couple of weeks into it when they decided to go through the shutdown. They started to look at the numbers. They have the numbers. They Not just the models. Now I'm talking about data. When we look at the raw data here and people start to break it down, you start looking at other countries who did not do what we did and they're just fine, thank you very much. Some states who did not close up totally and they're just fine, thank you very much. Right. Now, all of a sudden, you got to admit, hey, you know what? Uh, we got bamboozled here and I think the president is doing the best job he can to maneuver himself out That's of fair. it. But the, But I think the country, the economy has been damaged. Oh, do you think it's been damaged enough to where... Biden gets elected over Trump. I almost cursed on your podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> look, man, I don't think Biden's going to make it to the to the convention. Right. Um, I think that it's obvious uh, that he's been propped up. He's been protected. The latest sex scandal, uh, they were not able to control that. Uh, Republicans have very little to do with it. Uh, that is a mm -hmm. Democrat driven thing because the woman Tara Reid was was lied to horribly and she has had enough she has cooperating witnesses she has far more than kavanaugh did and <laughs> this thing blew up on the on the democrats then you put in the ukrainian scandals you put in the scandals with the uh, joe uh, hunter biden and uh, and china and the sun there's too much baggage with Joe Biden for the Democrats to, 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 to have any kind of chance mm -hmm. at um, uh, beating President Trump. But th he's important because he kind of keeps a lid on more of that controversy, more of that scandal coming out. I don't think he's up for it. I think, you know, rules are, well, these are the rules. Well, what do they care about the rules? They've been, <laughs> they had to rig Glasgow around. What I think it's going to happen is someone's going to be uh, 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 DNC is going to replace Joe Biden with somebody. And that was just a long winded answer to say to you. It's not that the economy was so messed up that Joe Biden is a viable option. No, I don't think there's any viable option, but that isn't that's not going to stop mm -hmm. Democrats for trying to maneuver. Sure. To take advantage of a crisis. And that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah, it's amazing how, frankly, the whole election, in my opinion, has kind of dropped off a cliff. Well, you nobody's know? really talking about it. I know. It. Um, but like, when you look at everything that – the only thing the Democrats have accomplished over the last three or four years is opposition to President Trump, the resistance. They haven't done anything that added any type of value. Congress is broken. To be quite honest with you, this is the most polarized our country has been since the Civil War. I think our systems have uh, are breaking down and failing. <laughs> I think that uh, what's coming in the next couple of years is going to, I hate to use the term transform, but it is because it can't survive the way it is. We have Congress not talking to each other. Right, right. Literally, not. we had the Speaker of the House insulting. Can't, can't say anything without it being a severe insult. We have the former administration now coming out of the, out of the shadows uh, and heaping aspersions on the president. <laughs> we've got a mess. And so what's going to happen in the next election? Oh, we've got the Democrats now part of the next stimulus package want to fund mail-in ballots. <laughs> we've got 
what we're seeing right now is an unraveling. Right. It is a winter. It is unraveling. Um, and so you're right. People are not talking about the election right now. They're talking about everything but. Right. But it, it, when that election rolls around, I still believe that President Trump is positioned to get reelected because yeah, yeah. Who else has handled bankruptcies better than no. <laughs> President that, Trump? Yeah, we bankrupt as hell <laughs> six, seven times over. You know about the way he's been, right? <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, he always seems to make it through. I, I, I agree with you. He, you know, if we're gonna get through this mess, he's easily the the best option. You can't you can't change the horse on an unknown. Whether it's unknown because we don't know we don't know if Joe Biden's gonna show up. Joe Biden, and I I'm not knocking Joe Biden. I had a father that went through Alzheimer's. I think that's what he's dealing with. I'm knocking his wife and the people around him for putting him up there in that condition, giving him a good little adrenaline shot so he can get through a couple of questions. But then he just drops off. Right. Uh, I'm blaming the party for allowing this stuff. You had 16 people up there. You gonna go with Joe? 16. You could have had Kamala Harris. She about slept Tulsi. her way to. <laughs> I'm about to say, I, like, I like Tulsi, but. Oh, man. See, now Tulsi was something that I could work with. Yeah. First of all, she's pleasant to she look is at. She's pleasant. No, to um, look at that too. Well, but but, <laughs> but uh, her politics, uh, as far as people on the right, you know, she's far out there, but she seemed reasonable. Yeah. And uh, I think that out of all of them, that's the one that I legitimately liked. The best. I'm just playing with Kamala Harris on those sure. people. I just kind of beat them yeah. up. I just got in the show mode. I'm sorry. Yeah, but, bring uh, on the, the, that infotainment. Right. Yeah. yeah. But uh, she was a real, I think she was a, she's, was real and still is. I, I do like a lot of what she would talk about. It's interesting. I like her army background, her two tours. I feel like in any of all the people who would be the best suited for a, this current time, I mean, she's a wartime president. You know, she understands how to get things done in this sort of environment. Right. I agree. I agree. And she was, it was kind of scary at first because I thought that, you know, that this was going to be a fair and open uh, primary. I was wrong about that with the Democrats. They were and that's why she got froze out. Other. Right. Hmm? All the, they were, they froze they were, they were so ruthless with each other and all the debates. I, was, I, I wasn't sure if I was watching a debate or just like a roast. Well, it was so fun because it was our turn. <laughs> because the uh, last time it was it was Republicans looking ridiculous yeah. with the uh, Trump before anybody knew <laughs> Trump was just yeah small hands Marco. What are we? What are, you, what are, what are, what are we? Where did what? that come from? What are we, what are <laughs> we watching right yeah. now? What's no energy, going? low energy, Jeb. You're falling. You're gonna oh fall off gosh. the stage. We're like I was moderating these mm. debates. I got to tell you, it was excruciating <laughs> until the very end. I'm like, oh, Trump is still he's a witness. What the heck? Yeah. Oh so, my um, gosh. Well, do you have anything else you want to add? Um, I mean, I think this was a first, a great first conversation. At least we got yeah. to a lot of good points, and then we just kind of shoot the shit. You know, I think that uh, if we want to do this in the future, I, I love this. I'd love to do I it, I come too. in with a hot little topic with something I'm concerned about and throw it at you and you all handle it financially. Go. Let's go. You know? I think it's great. I think I, the next time we talk, we need to talk about healthier money. I what agree. does sick money look like? And stop describing me. Don't you dare describe <laughs> me when you describe sick money. <laughs> I, uh, uh, in fairness, um, I, I really enjoyed talking to you. Excellent. So I, uh, I, I, I could see us getting along very well. Excellent. Excellent. So, um, Kyle. I think that's it. I'll take us out. All Thank right, you, James. Thank you, James and Kyle and Pat with Healthier Money. Stay, you know, live long and profit. Stay safe. Bye.
Great interview with James today. I hope you found out some good, uh, some good topics. There's a lot to be said for different ways to invest and going against the traditional scope of investing, which often says that you have to put it all in stocks and bonds and kind of keep your, uh, your hands crossed. And we always call it the buy and pray method. So hopefully today you realize by expanding your horizons and, and rather than have your blinders, just focus straight ahead, opening up those blinders and, and looking at the, the universe and the landscape of different things that uh, you can invest in and realizing that maybe the 401k and the traditional tax deferral argument doesn't have a lot of merit, especially with this huge amount of stimulus that we have and this record amount of money being pumped into the economy. You and I both know there's only one or two ways to get out of that mess. It's going to be either lower expenses on the government side or increased revenue and revenues means taxes. So deferring into a potential tax unknown or a lot higher tax rates maybe isn't the best way to go. So thanks for listening. As always, you can go to healthiermoney.com, ask your questions. We also have the uh, anchor.fm forward slash healthier money where you can specifically ask questions and we'll make sure that we answer them for you and get back to you. And as always, live long and profit.